Hello, and welcome to episode 80 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les James, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. In this week's podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of office waste. So, with that, let's go ahead and start the show. Sean, how's it going today? Good, Les. How are you? I am doing fine. You sound exuberant. <laughs> That's good. That was, that was uh, anytime I hear exuberant, I think of Alan Greenspan. Yes, when he would when he would talk about the uh, the economy and uh, what well, geez, now it escapes me. He had a description for the market of being something over exuberant. I forget what it was. exuberant so, optimism or something like that. I forget what it was. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, um, how is your parents doing? Uh, they're doing well back in yeah. the house with power. Good. So, so they seem to be getting back to normal. Good. And of course, now uh, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is getting lambasted again. Yeah, I, I haven't checked the weather to see. Yeah, there, the there's a new one. Is it is it hitting? Is it hitting soon? It, well, it's in Puerto Rico right now. It is. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so uh, best wishes to those in Puerto Rico. Hopefully. Yes. They uh, they make out okay. Um, no yeah, doubt. I don't know what's happening with the world. It's kind of crazy here about the earthquake in Mexico today. Yes, bigger seen, things seem to be uh, shaking up just a hair. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> it's two <laughs> big earthquakes in Mexico in the last you know week week and a half something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we are here to talk about business stuff. Uh, there's enough uh, news to get people riled up. We need to yeah. you know kind of. Uh, focus on some positive stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I but mean, we, I do, but we are thinking head. of all those people, though. Yeah, definitely thinking of them. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we can provide a little respite from the craziness. If you watch the news, I try not to watch the news. So. I'm I'm with you on that, but I get so tired of it. Oh yeah, big time. Oh, as, yeah. as as some of the people that I listen to on the radio, you get tired head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we thought we'd take a, a steering uh, towards a, a different direction than we've been in for a little while. You know, when we first started this podcast, uh, we kind of honed in on quality type initiatives and and then we moved more towards um, leadership type initiatives and then some generic type topics. And I think that um, after we've after we've kind of looped through some of that, we wanted to come back and kind of touch on touch again on some more uh specific activities within, you know, the, the quality arena. And that is today we're going to talk about waste in the office or office waste. So, yeah. and, and I yeah. think this, this is a foundation of all of the other topics that you mentioned, you know, even the generic ones, you know, you, yes. you, you look to get rid of waste. Yeah. No, we, 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 you don't have time for waste. Well, and you know, what took us so long to figure out that waste is really the thing you should focus on. You know, if you look back through the 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 cycle of how quality was was developed and how it's built up over the years, you know, starting with uh, Schuhort and then on into Ford and then on into the the Japanese experts and Deming and you know Ishikawa and you know Shinichingo and all those people, it took a while for the concept of focusing on waste coming about. You know, if you if you kind of read documentation or, you know, information about the whole quality history, 
the focus on waste didn't come until, you know, after Deming had, you know, visited Japan. Right. Uh, there were, there were tidbits of concepts, but it really wasn't thought of as waste. And, and I think now, you know, getting people to focus on waste can be one of the most, uh, rewarding things for a company and one of the biggest bangs for your buck, uh, by, uh, focusing on waste, uh, that a company can, uh, do initiatives with. So we have this, uh, diagram that kind of sparked this conversation. And this is from the lean office innovation group. Um, and they've put together kind of this nice little summary diagram that we're going to kind of focus on and, and, uh, um, you know, help guide us through this conversation. Yeah, and people might have seen this on LinkedIn. I, I think I've seen whether it was this diagram or something very similar. Yeah, you know, it's the, the the picture of the iceberg. You know, you only see the top ten percent above the water. The other ninety percent is is hidden, right? Below right. water, but it's it's the it's where all of the problems lie, or ninety percent of the problems, anyway. Yeah. So the theory is is that uh, you see the ten percent of your problems, but you don't see the ninety percent of the problems that are. Uh, truly causing you heartache, but those are the ones you should focus on. Yeah. You know, so that's hence, I think that's hence why they put it, put the picture of an iceberg. But of course, I guess you could think of that in bad taste a little bit with the Titanic. <laughs> Don't go down that path. <laughs> Don't go down that path. <laughs> yeah, not now. I, I got tired head of all of that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, you so, know, the, the other thing, the other point I wanted to make too about focusing uh, on waste and waste, if you can, make parallels with other disciplines. Uh, yeah, I look at it like the least common denominator of, of uh, what to focus on. People can understand it. You know, you understand waste. Does it get, yes. you, you know, does your activity get you to the end goal or does it route you in such a way that, that uh, there are things that aren't necessary? And, okay. And, and now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to debate you a little bit on this. When you said people understand waste, I'm going I think to say, you can explain waste to people. Yes, I, I would agree. But a lot of times I've gotten into these debates when the, when the focus comes on them, they think almost a hundred percent of what they do is value add. Well, is it value add or is it, Hey, I need to do these things. So I need to keep my job. Well, that's, that's the convincing part, right? Well, and that's is why how, do you, how do you convince them? Yeah. And, and that's where, and that's where we bounce back and forth between quality initiatives and leadership skills. Because you, you need to have the quality initiatives helping your organization, but the people part of that equation has to be led by a good leader that understands where people's brain is and where their heart yeah. is and where their gut is. So, you know, those, those three things we talked about the gut last week. We always talk about the brain. You know, you, so you, you have to, you have to help. You have to help people get their their mind, body, and soul in line with what you want to do in the office. Yeah, you have to get them questioning everything. Questioning you, you, with a good with a good spin on it, not just question everything just to be obstinate or oh or, sure you know, a bugger. You, you know, you, a you bugger. Need, <laughs> you need them. You need them to question why do we do things in the light of well, could it be done better? But you have to cultivate the organization. So that people aren't offended by that question being asked. Yeah. Okay. So I think before we get into some of the details of what makes up waste from an, uh, specifically from an office standpoint, um, I wanted to focus a second on why focusing on waste is so important. 
And in this diagram, it's the lower part of the, the section of the diagram that kind of describes it very well. And that is the fact that if you focus on value add and in this, in this diagram, it represents value add as being 10% of the things you do. And that might even be, um, you know, a giving number, you know, who knows what it truly is. But the point is, is that whether it's 5%, 10% or 20%, if you focused on the value add and proving the value add section and you improve it by 50%, you've still only added, you know, let's say if it's 10%, you've only added 20% uh, improvement to your value add. Well, you know, so that's why they well, want you to focus. I'm debating on the math there. If, you, if, if, if you're 50% better than 10%, you're 15%. <laughs> you're 15%. Yes, you're right. You're right. So 100% better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want people writing in saying, hey, you've got to know how to do math. <laughs> hey, I married a math teacher for a reason. There you go. So I didn't have to do it. <laughs> so, you know, and well, the thing is, what is what is value add? You know, I think we've defined it before, but we should define it again. Yeah. Right? Value add, at least in all of my teachings and understanding, is or all of my learnings, I should say, is the part that the customer is willing to pay for. Right. So those parts that the customer is willing to pay for is the value add of the product that the market is is willing to give you money for. So so now here's the debate I always get into with people. Yeah. It's it and and that is the fact that um in their minds they believe that the customer is paying for their time to do the work, com- you know, completely and correctly, which includes things that may be considered non-value add. So the the aspect of trying to focus on things that the customer is willing to pay for, I think that's one of those definitions that needs a little more detail. Well, and I think that's if if you think deeply into it. Uh-huh. The things that you do to make sure that you've got a complete product, a good quality product, a good looking product, all of the things the customer would be willing to pay for. But when there is an extra step in a good quality, so instead of having one guy check it, you've got two people checking it. Well, well, the customer doesn't necessarily want two people checking it. Why can't the first person check it correctly? So, sure. so you can say that, that that first check is a value add because whatever the process is, that's what's required. So that's what the customer's paying for. And when I did I did I say I was thinking in my head anyway, it's a it's a competitive issue as well, because if you can do it better, because there's comp- competition out there. So if you can do it better and you only have that one person checking, but your competition still needs two people checking, well then you've got a competitive advantage. And that's why you drive to a lower waste lean system so that you're competitively um advantaged and the customer is satisfied with the product they get for the price they pay. So now with that comment, I truly think you're touching on something that the, uh, you know, rank and file can wrap their head around and and understand, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, gaining those competitive advantages by removing things that aren't lending any sort of value to the end goal or to what the customer is willing to pay for. And of course, I, you know, growing up through quality, I've heard that same definition, you know, that, you know, uh, non-value add is, is those things that the customer doesn't want to pay for or reverse of that value add is those things that they do want to pay for. 
So I just think that there are, it gets a little nebulous for people depending on what you're talking about. Yeah. So this, oh, go ahead. Were you going well, to that? I was just going to drive still kind of down that road saying that having a competitive advantage of not having extra steps in the process does not mean that you don't need more people in that process. The idea, the idea would be to shift from, from having fewer, fewer steps or, or less uh, non-value add steps and applying those resources that you might already have to more product because you have that competitive advantage. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a chicken and an egg situation. It is yeah. a migration situation. You're going to migrate from doing it poorly to doing it better and more of better. So doing it effectively. Well, that would be the proper English term, but do you think okay. I, I don't, I'm an engineer. What do I, what do I know? <laughs> so this diagram actually breaks the, the wastes into, you know, four sections. And, you know, we've all, all heard of, uh, the seven, you know, deadly wastes, you know, and I'm trying to think of what it spells out. Tim Wood, I think it is. (laughs) What's that? The seven bad words or whatever. You say on TV, yeah. Yeah. All right. We won't go there. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. We won't go there. It's late in the day. But, but, you know, the, I think it spells out Tim Wood, which it gets into transportation, inventory and all those things. Mm -hmm. This one is focused on uh, more on the office waste side. So it touches on areas within process waste, information waste, people waste, and physical environment waste. So I was going to touch on the physical environment waste because it's kind of a short list, but it talks about interruptions, moving transportation, and unsafe conditions. So the one there that I wanted to touch on was interruptions. I, to me, uh, man, that is one of the biggest wastes that I see all over the place. And I'm not sure what you do about it. But, you know, people have to self-manage themselves in that case, in my opinion. Yes. Let me see. Where do I want to start? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Interruptions. I mean, if you, or at least I'll I'll give you from my example, you know, sitting around the desk and whatever, uh, either I'm looking in paper, in in a pile of paper, or I'm on the computer and somebody comes and stands at your door. I mean, right as soon as, as soon as you see that person standing at your door, you, you either have to say, Come on in and stop what you're doing. And maybe you're at a good stopping point and you can do it. Or, hey, give me 10 minutes to finish this and then I will get with you. Or you say, hey, just check my calendar and come back. You're right. You know? So, so yeah, when you said, when you said you have to manage, self manage, I completely agree. You have to self manage. And the people that, that are interrupting you have to understand that that's what they're doing is it's an interruption if it wasn't a planned get together. Right. And of course they always start off the comment by saying, am I, am I interrupting anything? <laughs> well, I mean, but then there shouldn't be any harm in saying, yeah, as a matter of fact, I need to get this done. Right. Um, without hurting their feelings. Yeah. Now I do think that if you're trying to build a culture, I think that you've got to balance this one. You, you definitely have to make sure, especially depending on what role you play in the organization, you have to make sure that you're paying attention to what's going on within people's lives and, and that's going to mean interruptions for you. And it just happens to be the role you play within the organization. Um, but I am, uh, I'm also talking about the, you know, the, the people that are, you know, to the grindstone most of the day, such as a designer or, um, a, a, you know, a salesperson or something like that, that 
has a very specific set of tasks and they should be focused on those tasks as, as much as possible. And if they're constantly getting interruptions, then you've got a huge uh, efficiency issue there. Hey, let's let's think about this and back up. Why are they being okay. interrupted? Yeah. Who's who's you see, this is where you try to do a root cause analysis. Well, who's doing the interrupting and why? Have they not been trained properly? Do they not have access to the information that they need? And they always, you know, go back to the one drafter or purchasing person or, you know, whomever. Right. So, so I, I, that's what I like to think about. If there is a problem, why ask, why do you have that problem? Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. So why don't we move to people waste? And so there's several under people waste. You have uh, ineffective meetings. Uh, I love that one. Um, lack of project management, lack of training, mm-hmm. lack of useful feedback, mishandling conflicts, relearning, turnover, unclear roles, unclear um, sponsorship norms and boundaries, uh, underutilized talent and emotional waste, unnecessary frustration and stress. There's a couple there that I think we should touch on, and one of them is that ineffective meetings. Yeah, well, this week on um, LinkedIn, I, and I like reading a lot of that stuff that, that's on LinkedIn. You know, one yeah. of the things, you know, what do the successful people in this world do and not do? Some, uh, and we had a we had a podcast on lists. It was a list. I like lists. Um, list actually, actually, one of the things that uh, that they said that the most successful people, guys like um, Jack Welch and and. Uh, Elon Musk and all these people is that they don't have to do lists. <laughs> it's kind of oh really? Yeah, that was an interesting one. And and okay, I I, I get it, uh, I get it. But anyway, that's not my point. But when it comes to meetings, yeah, meetings, and we all, people know this, but they don't follow it. You know, meetings should be short to the point, with the right people, and an agenda, and you stick to it. Yes, I think the key to that is the agenda yeah. and making sure it's very clear. So one of the things that I I started doing, and, and we'll see how it works out. I, I'm not sure yet. Um, I think most everyone knows that we have we start our day at seven o'clock, and at seven thirty we have a five minute standing meeting out on the shop floor. Every Monday we had a one hour operations meeting in which we talked about what was going to happen that week and all the different operations stuff. Well, we're now trying out a meeting first thing in the morning at seven o'clock in which we, there's four of us that meet uh, for 15 minutes before the morning stand-up meeting, and we talk about operational activities for the day or for the pre, from the previous day, um, and we don't have that one-hour meeting anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, in accumulation, you know, that still equals a little over a one-hour meeting in a week, but I think we're being a little bit more effective with our time because we're starting out the day figuring out what we're going to be working on, identifying any problems or issues. And um, we seem to be using that first 30 minutes of the day a little more effectively. But we're trying it out, you know, something different. And I think that's one of the big things that, you know, is important to our team right now is that it's okay to try things out and see if it works and see if it gets us, you know, ahead. So I've canceled that, you know, and really that one-hour meeting would always turn into an hour and a half. Yeah, see, that's not good. Yeah. Right. And so it would go long because everyone had a, a large story to tell or something. Well, that's you know, the thing big. about yeah, staying on topic. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, you try to stay on topic, but you also try not to stifle, you know, what people are, you know, stressing over or concerned about. And, of course, I noticed that there's an emotional waste, which is unnecessary stress and frustration. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you wouldn't, know. wouldn't, I mean, well, I guess that's the thing, unnecessary frustration. There, no stress or frustration should be necessary. <laughs> yeah. Especially the frustration. Actually, I did read a Harvard Business Review where people do, and I might have mentioned this before, people do um, perform better with a certain level of stress. Oh, really? Yeah, not zero stress. You don't, people don't perform as well if they've got zero stress. And if the scale was to 100, they don't perform at well at 100%. So it's like 30%. So you need a deadline, you need criteria, you know, you need a certain level of stress and your performance is best when you, when you have those constraints on you, but a certain level of constraint. Not. I wonder if there's a chemical reason for that. Well, they did get into it. They did get into it because uh, you, if if there was no stress, you didn't have to get something done. You didn't do it. You know, for yeah. the most part, the, the the majority of people didn't do it. If you have too much stress, and it was due yesterday, you can't get your brain wrapped around how late you are to actually function and get it done. So yeah. there's, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. So I understand that, and I try to I try to make sure that there's a little bit of stress in what I need to have done. You know, the other interesting one that's in this section uh, that I was going to touch on was unclear roles. I definitely think that that one can cause a lot of waste. If your role is not clear within the organization, if your processes aren't clear within your role, I think that that And that can cause stress, too, because if if people aren't clear what their role is, and then somebody takes a role on, on somebody else's workload or a role you know, taking care of somebody else's workload, then that other person might be stressed and kind of give up or, I don't know, cause some conflict. So I'm going to move over to the information waste. And this one, I don't know, this one kind of didn't hit me as an area that has too many places to work on. But, you know, let's see what you think. The first one is converting formulas or formats, I'm sorry, uh, data uh, dead ends, data disruptions or discrepancies, uh, lack of usefulness, uh, manual checking and electronic data, metrics and measures, missing data, reentering data, redundant data inputs, unavailable data, unclear incorrect data, and unknown data and unnecessary data. So there's there's like six of them there at the end yeah. that's missing, reentering, redundant, uh, unavailable, unclear, unknown, unnecessary. All of that can be put into managing you know data. But I think the the biggest one to me is reentering data. You know, if I had to pick one out of all those, I would say that reentering data is probably one that you should focus on. Um, unclear or incorrect data, probably another one that you should yeah, focus on in this section. Yeah. yeah. Incorrect data can definitely snowball into other problems uh, and and create other issues within the process. So, you know, well, you know what, this one's got a few. The, um, the one that, that does strike me is that um, missing data. Yeah. Um, I think... You have to have forethought. 
when you are are managing a team and understanding what you need and what you want to collect. And, and I'll tell you, right now I'm actually going through it. There's there's data in every proposal that goes out, and each proposal that we do that goes out has a Word document that gets converted to a PDF and saved and everything like that. But the data that we have in there is yeah. not collected in any kind of database. So when you talk about re-entering and missing data, so I would like to I would like to do some some uh, analysis on everything that we've sent out for different customers, different fuels, different orientations, whether something's vertical or horizontal. So there's there's many different ways to to manipulate the data that we put out or or categorize the data. And so what I have is a intern who's who's working here while he's going to college. And I'm like, dude, go to all the proposals, build a spreadsheet, and collect this data. Start with the current year and then work your way back, and I'll see how much I want. So here's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, it's good. But okay, so that that's awesome up to a point. And if we left it at that, I would hope that there would be the million people that are listening to us. Yeah, I wish. Um, <laughs> would call me Only up and say, wait a minute, what are you going to do going forward? And this is where, and I, I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I like to try to think, okay, how do you do this? What do you do in the future? So I'm not going to create proposals in the future in Word documents that next year I'm going to have some intern go and look at all the proposals, find that data again, and enter it into that spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is yes. going to be set up where the people that do proposals put their information for the proposal in a sheet that can get automatically uploaded to another, to the table, and then they can just copy that and put it in the proposal. So that so, so that the person making the proposal writes it in, and I've got the data. Well, and so that's what you find out with data is the fact of how interconnected it is through the whole process from beginning to end, and you find out how much uh, duplication mm -hmm. and waste is in the process through people creating forms in different ways, but with the same information. Yeah. Um, you know people putting it in formats that are unusable, like, like you just described, um, you know, re-entering of data, you know, when you, when you dive into the whole information waste, this call section is called, you all of a sudden start to learn that, uh, everything is connected from beginning to end as far as information goes. And so the secret is, is coming up with ways of using technology in this case, uh, trying to use technology to to help you figure out the best solution, and then of course you also wind up having to do a lot of a lot of training in this particular waste section, right? Because people need to learn new ways of entering information, things like that. That's right, and you upset their apple cart for sure. Yeah, so yes, you do. So the last one is process waste. This is by far the the longest list, um, and so I'm going to read through it, and we'll pick a few out of it. Uh, but it has approvals, bottlenecks, communication barriers, uh, competition within the organization, uh, defects, extra features, handoffs, incompatible systems, incomplete work, inspections, multitasking, uh, uh, reviews, uh, rigid hierarchies, shadow systems, that's kind of the black ops or black market systems, uh, searching signatures, which we had a podcast mm -hmm. on, task switching, unnecessary complexity, 
useless information, variable flow in the process, waiting and delays, and workarounds. So workarounds are damaging, that's for sure. You've got to get your team and your leadership group in the mode of trying to make sure workarounds aren't happening. Yeah, aren't workarounds and shadow systems the same thing? They kind of, yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Black market systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Approvals is another one. You know, I think we touched on that a little bit earlier. You know, if you've got multiple approvals, you really should be looking at, you know, where does the value best lie in in those approvals? Yeah. Approvals Um, and reviews. Right. Mm -hmm. Bottlenecks, I think is a good one in here. You really should look at where things are stacking up. And that's a that's a foundational issue with quality systems these days. That's what you look for. Where where is the bottleneck? Your your throughput yep. isn't necessarily how much each piece of equipment or how many hours a day each person has, but there there's one place in there that's the bottleneck, and that's where yeah you should be focusing your efforts. Trying to think of the book that was written about bottlenecks. Um, wasn't it Goldratt's book? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember now. Um, let's see. The other one I was going to touch on was, you know, inspections. We've talked about inspections mm-hmm. quite a bit, uh, earlier in this show, you know, how, uh, inspections are definitely a, a, a waste, but, you know, in some cases they're needed, but you should be working towards removing them if possible. Um, we touched on signatures, uh, task switching was part of, uh, Multitasking, which was a podcast that we haven't quite sent out yet, but we have it. Oh, did we? We didn't uh, send out that multitasking one. That's one that we uh, did twice already. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, did we send that one out? I don't remember. I can't remember now. No, I don't think so. I don't think we've sent that one out right. yet. We don't want that to be useless information. That's one of our wastes. No, us talking, that's, that's us talking correct. about it. Yes. <laughs> that's correct. Um. Uh. Let's see. Here's a, here's a question. Here's a question. Okay. And it is a waste in here. Unnecessary complexity. So who creates unnecessary complexity? Yeah, who would want to be that person, right? I'm not, so do you think they do it? Do you think they do it intentionally? I'm gonna say no, but probably not, because you would think people if they were doing something intentionally, they would do it for the good of the organization and the workers. You would hope so. Unnecessary. I'm trying to think of an example of when things are unnecessarily complex. Who would? Well, I think that if you if you have uh, certain compliances with either government or highly uh, restricted areas, you can get into what seems like unnecessary um, uh, processes. It seems like it. That's one thing, you know. But if it's yeah, like the government and, and the kind of waste that this government and most governments go through and, and there you use waste. I don't even recognize. I use the word waste. When you talk about government, you know, they might yeah. need, they might need six different copies, for three. <laughs> you know? So, so if, if that's, if that's what it is to get business, then yeah, it's, it's complex, but yeah, I guess it is unnecessary, but convincing, convincing the person who wants it as it being unnecessary, I guess, I don't know. I'm having a hard time. Getting it there. Um, what about uh, useless information? Well, useless information. People like to create things. I'm going to get on the uh, the other side of this, the, the people side. People like to create things to show that they do work. Yes. Is it? Is it? They like to. The flip side of this is they like to create what they think is value. Exactly. For themselves. Well, and then it gets back to the leader of the organization or the group, whatever it is, and, and says, "Listen, 
you know, I want this information. Don't give me the six pages, you know, leading up to this information. Just give me, give me the answer that I want. And, you know, that's, and I think we've, we've touched on this and maybe we shouldn't keep saying we've touched on these things before, but, um, you know, when you're in high school and you're told to do a paper and you're told to do, you know, no less than three pages, it's really hard to get 10 pages of term paper. When you're in college, what they want you to do is limit your paper to two pages. And that means yeah. that you're getting, you're getting best of the best condensed down into just give me the answer. And that's the way it is in business. Give me the answer. Don't give me all the fluff and, and feeling and everything like that around the answer. Just let's get to the answer. Move on. So that's one of the reasons why I'm now having that early morning meeting is because I'm trying to get our team to focus on what's important and not go through all the, you know, the fluff and the, and, you know, the detail mm. that, you know, they can handle outside of that meeting. Uh, so that's another reason why I'm doing that. And, and we're not saying don't listen to people. Listening to people and hearing their complaints and their gripes and their issues or whatever in order to help them get through, you know, their day is one thing. But when, right. you, when you've got specific tasks, then make sure that that gets narrowed down to the, the proper amount of input from each person. Right. Yep. I would agree. So why don't we go ahead and end this one right here? I think our main goal with this particular podcast was to just kind of focus on some, um, you know, office waste, you know, activities, whether it be process information, people or, or physical environment and point out some areas in which, um, organizations can sink their teeth into and, and, and try to make a, a difference on removing waste from their environment. This is, this is one of those areas that if a, if an organization focuses on the, the part in which, um, you know, the wasteful aspect of, of this, that they can make a huge impact in, in how they run their business. Yes. You know, so, and thinking about this, not, not mm-hmm. to be too abstract. I mean, I think our discussion is general and, and, uh, potentially abstract, I guess, to bring on home is let's let's remove the waste in our each individual areas. You know, because I, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah, you, you know, you can't walk into the CEO and say, listen, there's waste here, there's waste there, there's waste all over the place. The person's not going to understand, and you're kicked out of his, his or her office. So yeah, yeah, the way to, the way to do it is what what wastes do you partake in <laughs> every day, and try to change those, and then and then have it grow like that organically. Yeah, I would agree. I do think that waste is one of those things that can potentially go from bottom up instead of always having to be top down. I would agree. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and wrap up this episode? Uh, we hope that you all have enjoyed uh, this topic of waste in the office. Uh, we look forward to talking with you all next week. Sean, you take care, buddy. You too, Les. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.